Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Alrighty, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast and a very special welcome to a great man all the way from Boise, Idaho, Mr. Scott Marker. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great on the other side of the pond. It's, um, and it's, uh, I think, how many, how many hours difference? You said it was like 3 p.m. Yeah. As we record this, it's 9 a.m. Melbourne time on a Friday. Wow. So, um, uh, yeah. On Friday? It's on Friday. So you oh, that's right. Talking, that's why you said the future. Yeah. The okay, future, okay. And I'm talking to the past. Cool. <laughs> that's awesome. So, Scott, great to have you on the on the show. We've been connected on LinkedIn for a little while now. And um yet another fantastic person to speak all things sales and sales leadership with. So um I'm actually loving these these conversations. So you are the founder of MCA Squared, which is mixed customer art squared. Um also have a an ex- established history of success over 30 plus years in in sales and sales leadership. And I was also interested to know that you run a franchise uh, network in Action International. So I'd love to know a little bit about that as well. Um, But just just because you don't have anything else to do in your life, you're also an author, uh, a multi-book author, which your latest book is broken. So we'll delve into that as well, how to fix B2B sales, drive profitable growth and win. So it's great to have you on the show, mate. Look forward to talking about uh, all things sales and sales leadership. It's an honor to be on here. Awesome. So I, I told you before that one of my uh, friends I've never met, but through LinkedIn, how you can build relationships. I, mean, I don't care what people say. I've built several great relationships and friends. Was I came across you because Graham Hawkins, who wrote the foreword to my book, was on your show, and that's how I discovered it. So it's it's phenomenal, isn't it? When you think about things like LinkedIn, and there are there are people out there that talk about platforms like LinkedIn, and you sh- and they say, oh yeah. You should only connect with people who you know and that sort of stuff. You know what? The world is, and you would know this through Network in Action International, the world is such a massive, massive place. And and I look at this now in the last 12 months in particular, getting to connect with people like you and talk to people like you, if I was doing what I was doing even four or five years ago, I would never have had that opportunity. So from my point of view, things like LinkedIn and podcasting completely opens up the world. And yep. just just makes you realize that you know what we can have some great conversations and build some great relationships, even though we might be like sixteen to seventeen hours difference in terms yeah, of time zones. Yeah. No, I I totally yeah. agree. I, I say that all the time. I I have people I've known, and they do podcasts and in, in India, you name it, around the world. I just did one in um uh, Serbia, Serbia. Okay. So it it's it's like, and I I we've talked like this and known each other and you know communicated, and it just I don't know, I I just love it because it just it it proves that um, the world there's a lot more common with us than we think there is. Oh, absolutely! And even though we might live on different sides of the world and we might have a slightly different accent, at the end of the day, a lot of the common principles are identical. Some of the absolutely. challenges are probably the same. Um, yep. But it's great to have different different perspectives. So, and this this is what adds flavor to to what we do. So, very much yep. looking forward to this conversation, my friend. So, as I normally do with uh, with most of my guests, love to get a little bit of background on the man who is Scott Marker, um, and you've been in sales for a number of years, but what was it that led you into sales and I guess led you to do what you do today? Uh, like like a lot of people, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't look for sales. It found me. So I got out of college and was uh, uh, assistant general manager of two restaurants and mowing 10 to 12 lawns a week. And I got out and, um, I, here in the area, we have one of the lowest wages, average wages. And I went, why to go to college? It's just, you know, it wasn't. And I had a couple of customers that went, uh, one worked at Procter & Gamble, one worked at Warner Lambert, both, you know, Fortune 100 companies. And uh, they said, you need to be in sales. You have good personality, you know, coffee and talking to them all the time. I said, well, perfect, bring it on. And so the, the wife, next time her boss is in town, brought him in the restaurant and they interviewed me there. And then next thing you know, they said, hey, we like you. How would you like to? Moved to Portland, Oregon. I went, okay. <laughs> and that went to my BDB, BDB uh sales journey. So and then went 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 with them for several years and bounced. They transferred me a few times. Um, and then 
so I've been in several different industries like a lot of people. I, I would say that most people my age, that if you've been in sales, if you look at your LinkedIn, not every sales job is on there. And if it is, I'd recommend you take them off because yeah. <laughs> that's part of the problem of being broken is, is that, uh, there's, that, that uh, there's not a lot of, uh, no matter how good you are, there's just not a lot of stability in, in sales, even sales leadership mm -hmm. anymore. So, uh, but no, that's how I got into sales. Like a lot of people just kind of people said, Hey, you'd be good at sales. And okay, <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> Go get them. Also that first company I worked for, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but we were like uh, the, the first, the second manager, we were like number one in my, my toughest competition out of like hundreds of reps was my team of five. I mean, we, wow. we were top all the time. So it was, and that, but it was, it was a grind, but we, we, we pushed hard and it, it taught me a, a lot of things. It gave me a good base. And was that because, um, is that when you're early in your career? Yeah, that was my first job. Yeah, yeah. First job. So you had people who were what high performers pushing, pushing hard or just lots of pressure. Uh, kind of a combination. They were good, good, good at what they did. Uh, the manager actually was, um, not a good person. He was, could be, um, I don't know, he's mood swings. You could be with him one day. He could ride with you two days. One day could be your best friend. The next day could be, you know, you know, yelling at you that you didn't do a good job in a presentation. Uh, yeah. uh but he was a, they looked the other way because he, he got results. And so, yeah. um, yeah, that was, I, again, I even talk about it looking back. Well, I, I mean, I was told by, I was told like Monday through Thursday, do not talk about any social activities at night because right. then he would know I wasn't at my last um, business at five o'clock, then the commuting time. Then we had about hours worth of paperwork. We had back then you had to fax it in, fax yep. it in. Um, there's no way you, there's no way you could do all that and go to movies or dinner or something. So um, you just, you weren't a lot. I mean, and, I was like, what? And they said, just don't rock the boat. He he expected you to, you know, work, you know, be be at work, you know, be on seven and, you know, get home at seven. And yeah. so that was the the kind of, you know, we're going to be number one. You got to, that's what it takes to be. And yeah, so that's the, that's the kind of the boot camp I started out in for the first three and a half years of my life. Well, it would have <laughs> been a great initiation. And I guess working with people who, uh, are under pressure first and foremost, but I guess are pushing forward and hustling and, and trying to get yeah. better and performing at a high level forces you to get up to that level as well. And, and yeah. we always talk about surrounding yourself with people who are better than you so you can lift your performance to a whole new level. Yeah. But if you look back in those three and a half years, having a manager like that who, from what you're describing, may have been a little bit schizophrenic and, and we know leadership today is you need to be a little bit more empathetic and still drive some high standards and be uncompromising yeah. there. But yeah. What were some of the key lessons you learned from from that experience over those three years that's held you in good stead for the rest of your career? He, uh, I, I'll tell you, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I didn't learn a lot. I mean, being around, learning around other good people. I mean, that that was good and stuff. But but overall, I, I again, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he taught me a lot. I had other managers that I had that that were a lot more, um, motiv you know, um, kind of like motivational and, yeah. and, and kind of could push you and stuff. And like I said, I worked for another team for another company. And again, I'm I, my other two reps were top in the nation. And so they, they pushed me. And then I was for new, for a new person, I was like one of the top for sales, for growth and all that. And that manager was complete opposite. He mm -hmm. just was a great guy compare, you know, compassionate, cared about you. You knew he cared about you. And if management was on his butt to be on your butt, yeah. he, he just was, he just softened up the message, but you would know, Oh boy, I could tell he's under pressure. Yeah. And so, um, uh, you know, anyway, yeah. Yeah. So, so part of that yeah. could be, um, because we've always got models around us and you're going to have some great models who are going to model excellence. And then you got some other people who perhaps don't have the same aptitude or skill set or competency, and I still think they can teach us stuff. And if it's yeah. if it's teaching us to say, you know what, when I get to a position where I have the responsibility of having a sales team, this is how I'm not going to treat them. Right? Yep, <laughs> because exactly. it's not going to extract their maximum potential. Yeah. So and, and, always... and tell you, and that's being being a, a leader, and that's kind of what you're about. 
and and um, you know, e exceptional leaders. That isn't like an average. That's exceptional. Just like they want salespeople to be exceptional. Well, we want exceptional leaders too. And with the younger generation, more than ever, it's a different mindset. You you can't be the old school like my first manager was a jerk mm. all the time and 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 push you. So I a lot I've I've had people that um I've managed, and to this day, fifteen years later, they'll say, "Hey, that's my boss," and he yeah. was the single best inspirational person. And I look back at what I did; it wasn't rocket science, folks. I treated her because she was a rock star. One of them was just a rock star. I thought, wow. I got to treat her good because she's everything I do. I mean, if she wanted to cut off early because her kid was sick or something, I'm like, sure. Cause I, yeah. I didn't have to, I'm not going to babysit you. Yeah. She worked harder by not me not babysitting her. So anyway, yeah, that I, 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 I think sometimes leadership isn't as tough as people. It, it's just the back to the basics, treat people how you want to be treated. And, and if you try to inspire them to pull them versus push them, that's 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 a, le a leader. And again, I see patterns in my life with with other things I've been involved with that I have people um, thank me for mm. for I give you one other quick say, uh, talking about leadership um, uh, in the mixed martial arts. I got involved in that way early and then I got I um, got involved in refereeing. And I, then in Idaho appointed me in and for 11 years. I, if you brought fights to Idaho, you had to I had to. I supplied all the all the officials. Plus, I did a lot of the refereeing myself. Yeah, and I had a couple kids that were um, one of the other referees with with work as a church and for some troubled kids. Said, "Hey, they love mixed martial arts. Could they help out in any way?" So I made a position up called um, cage um, uh, a cage management, and they basically cleaned up blood and water off the ground. That's what they did, and made sure that. The, the, I, I, that was my job too, but they, they actually fixed it if something went wrong with the cage. And I, I, I treated them like everybody else. And I didn't think that anything special. And then years later, both of them reached out to me and said, Hey, can I talk to you? And they get out of high school, they get their first job or two jobs. And they just say, I want to thank you. I go for what? Looking back, you treated me like every other person, the other referees, the other, I mean, I mean, every, I said, Yeah. I said, we needed you. Yeah. <laughs> You're part of the team. So yeah. again, there's the simple, sometimes I think we, we leadership, I think we overthink it. I think we do. And, and sometimes we hear a lot about this word ego. And I think there's a lot of leaders out there. And, and I think using the word leader in this sort of context is probably being disparaging to real leaders. I'll talk, yeah. we'll talk about them as being managers. And I've seen this happen in some big corporates in Australia. They people get into a leadership position in commas, and they get caught up in the position and what they think is the prestige and the status that's associated with that position. And they almost have a, a complete lobotomy and change their personality and the way they deal with people. Yeah. Um, I've always maintained, and this is probably the the mentoring that I had, not just when I was in sales, but before that, is always treat people with respect, irrespective of who they are and care for people, right? If you can lead with empathy, then any challenge you're going to you're going to encounter, you'll always have people who will be there to support you. Yeah. So it doesn't matter whether it's the CEO or whether it's the janitor or whether it's the the person running the canteen or the or the coffee shop, treat them as people and to be yep. human. And yep. you're right, sales leadership, we can overcomplicate it, but when it comes down to it, you're dealing with people, and if I can help those people become better, and do it in a way that's that's caring for them, genuinely caring for them. Yeah. They'll thank you, and they'll they'll never ever forget how you made them feel. See, that's yeah. I'm I'm real passionate about like looking back in my back. Any any time I do anything, like how how can I? I always thought I'm kind of a slow learner. You know, mm -hmm. slow to learn, uh, slow to forget. Uh, and because of that, I try to the way I teach. I try to be more efficient at teaching. So that I can quicker be quicker at at teaching somebody to do something, yeah. And I just that's kind of a passion of mine, and so that kind of comes off with sales and stuff. That um, over the years, um, I, I I you I mean, people now say stories, all this stuff. I I've, I've been talking about that for years. Like it comes from my martial arts background and stuff. But um, I I do a lot of uh, metaphors, analogies, uh, you know, and I have I have a saying. It says, um, how, how do you not be a commodity? 
is you turn every product into a service, every service into a solution, and every solution into a customer success story. Mm -hmm. You need to talk about the outcomes, yeah. customer success stories. Anyway, stuff like that that you can teach stuff quicker and faster by – anyway, that's why I work. I, that's why I think I've been – not perfect, and I'm always trying to – everybody says I'm always trying to learn and get better, but I, I – constantly my martial arts back i like brazilian jiu-jitsu you're always trying to advance basics i call it is take the basics and just add a couple minute details that make a big difference yeah. so yeah. that's that's kind of my philosophy love it and i like the way that through that you've you've talked about team and you talked about the people around you and and as we talked about before we press recorded uh success is not an island right so you need to have people around you and you need to have people on your team and and whether you're a small team or a large team, every single person that is part of that team has an has a part to play in how we drive that customer success story. You, so, you have I, I always tell people, don't forget you have external customers and internal customers. Mm -hmm. Internal customers are called your teammates. Mm -hmm. And guess what? In for most part, and I've always thought this way, I what I sell Right, what I'm helping the right the service, whatever we're doing, I don't fulfill it. Mm. So I rely on my team to do what I promised. <laughs> right. So that means I mean, so I I mean I and I won't get too much into it, but again, in my life, it's it's not rocket science. I I mean the uh, I mean it's just just like for 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 customers, for example, prospecting. I've over the my life, I've done tons of prospecting. So. In, internal customers, I don't care who you are in, in what I'm working with, I'm going to treat you great, just like I treat everybody else. External customers, for example, when you're cold calling over my life, I've done a lot of cold calling. So I used to do a lot of medical, and I went into a place, and my my friend was one of my customers, one of the doctors I knew. We did jujitsu jiu together. So I come in, I had a bag of chocolate, and I said, I, I had little candy bars, and I said, hey, uh, is, is, Dr., uh, is Dr. Steve in? And they go, ah, can we ask who, who you are? And I told them, and they okay. I said, hey, do you want some chocolate? And and they, uh, oh, and they're little candy bars, and a bunch yeah. of them took chocolate and stuff. So, and then he he goes, oh, since got up. So I go right up there, and he goes, man, you're smart. I go, what do you mean? He goes, you know, I had a pharmaceutical rep come in here, and he just snoo snooty, walked right past them, and then asked me to take me to lunch. You treated my front desk like gold. He goes, he goes, they know now they know you know me but he goes that's that's the difference of getting in getting in to see me and not is treating my front you know front yeah. team good anyway and again that's again not i don't think that's rocket science you just treat everybody good and good things happen well it's not it's not rocket science but it's so interesting how many people for whatever reason get so focused on i've got to get to the executive i've got to get to the key yeah. decision maker and the person that's on the front desk or the secretary or the executive assistant they think oh, I've got to get around this person or through this person and and try to almost big note myself so I can get through. What they don't tend to realize is that executive has that executive assistant as a key influencer and uh, person of trust. That if you treat them any way less than they expect, you've just you've just put a black mark against your name. I don't I don't care who you are. Yeah, they, they, yeah, that that's yeah. Every everybody everybody is an influencer that's the way you gotta think of it and if you don't you're in trouble yeah i mean and you know i don't yeah i don't you just you just do and and again you might not in a lot of positions i've been on my over my life the decision maker the the admin assistant was the decision maker yeah. <laughs> right because yes. she it, usually it was a lady she would tell whoever it was he or she like oh scott's a rock star or whoever it is a rock star we need to use them. Here's what they've done for us. Da da da. Right, and then yeah. the other person would sign it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, because they're you depending on what they're buying, how much it is. Yeah. It, it it's you know, it, it it isn't always the person that really is the biggest influencer of it. Isn't necessarily pe pe the person that's going to ink it. That's it. So. And I think a lot of a lot of salespeople and a lot of sales leaders make that mistake, and that they they get the org chart and they think right, we're going to go high. They're the people we need to get yeah. to without thinking about, okay, what is the informal influencing organizational yeah. chart? Here, if you map that out, it's it'll yeah. tell you a completely different okay. story. 
here here's something we because we, we're di- uh, changing in little directions here but i have i have something that i have an oak oak, oak the the oak tree um uh, uh, uh you know uh, metaphor and mm-hmm. what i say is is that um and on years and years ago had a tree in my front yard windstorm came in split in half had to get it replaced and i go out to the orchard and i go i love that tree well that tree grew up really fast and the root structure doesn't keep up and knocks it over i go oh wow like an oak tree what's it do it takes mm-hmm. forever to grow up but on that huge root structure yeah that's so i say the oak tree methodology right is exactly what you do in a customer so i go with the three by three principle is that I have a big customer in a former life, the same one, the medical one. I have this huge medical client and the front desk lady, the coffee lady, all the people that actually do the work, my friend that worked there and the decision maker, if I was lucky, I got to see her once a month. So yep. like, a, like a tree, I had a root structure and people would tell me when my competitors came by. I knew at all these different, so just like a, just, and guess what? It's tough to blow over, meaning it's tough for my competitors to take them out because the, the decision maker is hearing all these people that say Scott and his team are rock stars. Yep. So that's when I have another thing since then. So I say three by three and you need to have three people in your company that know three people good in their company because their decision maker can leave. And that's a whole nother thing called change of guard strategy. If somebody leaves in that company and they're your customer, change of guard immediately you want to go, okay, the new person, we got to go and sell that person again or talk to them, persuade them, let them understand why they use us, and mm-hmm. then find out where the other person went because mm-hmm. they might go to a place that we couldn't get into before. That's it. That's that's the change of guard principle. And also now, the same principle, if that is somebody you've been trying to get into forever and you drop by, you find out that person left, LinkedIn will show you they left, right? That's change of guard. Now it's a chance to come into the new person and try to get, get the account now. And again, the bottom line is, is if you, if you put one root down, you have too, too much of a chance you can get your, you can get the account taken away. And that's yeah. why one last tip here, I always like to give ap- actionable tips is in a CRM, it depends on the industry, but if you know, if it's a small enough industry that you know your competition really good, like the down to the rep, which I did at one company, I and the CRM, my, myself and my two direct reports would would put put in the CRM, and if that person left the company, and a lot of times it was not on good terms, yeah, they had the whole relationship with the customer. We would blitz all their customers and pick up new customers mm. <laughs> because a lot of times that that sales rep would and probably badmouth their company, saying they're jerks and we're going to leave them, and then we would just do a blitz and pick up new customers. <laughs> Yeah. We did that over uh, and over a, again. It was great. I mean, every time it, we did, I and mean, we just, we'd find out who they had. We knew, then we knew who the rep was. And if they left, then we knew, boom, we're going to go after them. So that's anyway. a, it's a, it's a good strategy. And one that maybe a lot of people don't look at. No, I mean, you gotta, I mean, there, there's a re and LinkedIn. It's, it's just, if it, if somebody, again, the change your guard principle and that, that the, the whole, the Oak tree principle, goes both ways if your if your if your competitor doesn't do a good job the second that person you couldn't get past before leaves that's your next chance to get back into them yeah 100% 100% so um on that on that theme we've we've sort of touched on the importance of having having a team structure and everybody playing the same uh according to the same hymn sheet for want of a better term uh, let's talk about your book and and what the what the genesis of of broken was because the the title is uh, broken how to fix b2b sales drive profitable growth and win so i know you also talk a lot about customer centricity and and yes. graham if he's listening to this he's he's a big advocate of this as well that buyers more than ever are more and more educated and we can no longer go as a salesperson into a into a customer and go oh hey, tell me about your business and what keeps you up at night <laughs> oh look, sunshine. look yeah on the wall <laughs> we <laughs> both know that exactly so <laughs> They expect so much more. So, what what's your what's your perspective on customer centricity? Because a lot of organisations talk about we put the customer at the centre of everything we do. We are a customer centric organisation. And you mentioned it before, right? Some people people treat their customers like gold, 
and they don't necessarily treat their employees yep. like gold. Both of them are customers, right? Yeah. So what was the genesis for Broken and what and what what created, I guess, the need for this to be released into the marketplace? Okay. Here's the deal is that there's sales 1.1, 1. 1, 1. you know, 2.0, 3.0, whatever the heck it is. I, I got to the point where uh, even though the title says it, you, you, you can't fix it. It's a broken model. The model's broken. And here's why it's broken. The KPIs, compensation, and goals, which are sometimes impossible to meet, and the pressure on top of those goals to meet them have nothing to do with the success of your customer and buyer. Nothing. Yeah. How can you be customer-centric if the goals are all about putting money in the pocket Meeting a goal, we're in there. Read, read. There's nothing to do. I read lots of job descriptions and they have all this stuff. Hunter, have to be, you know, uh, a never take no, blah, blah, blah. At the bottom, uh, customer service, uh, uh, you know, experience, but not ne necessary. I mean, what? What? I mean, so, so that's the problem is. Is, and here's a good example is, I'll give you a specific example, because I love debating people that go, oh, Scott, it, you can never change it. Well, here's some things. One, cross-selling. I call cross-serving. That's why because you got to change your language. Mm -hmm. that's, that's why I changed my book. For my, I mentioned before this came on, my it, I have a, um, a model that I use to teach people uh, on, on how to kind of improve sales and marketing overall, overall operations. But it used to be called my first book, um, uh, the strategic selling cycle. I thought, yep. how can you be customer centric calling it a selling cycle? So now it's a, a strategic customer cycle. Yeah. So, um, you you know you 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 have to change your whole language, and you you got to be you you can't like I close it. We just yeah we just close the deal. Yeah, slap it. I'm gonna win a Tesla. I got a Tesla. Oh, you made your goal, or you're on a pip. So going back to the cross. Uh, the cross serving, right? Yeah. So we had we had somebody took took cross selling Wells Fargo Bank, and they went viral. What they did was they did they took the traditional sales model. They they made they said the CEO and the executive said we're going to take cro everyone's going to learn cross selling and we're going to we're going to you know land and expand. If you have more products, it's stickier. The banking yeah. and everybody uses that, but the banking especially they use that term. So what they did was. Everybody, the teller, anybody in that branch had high goals and they made what they do? Comp, comp commissions. Right? They, right. So and they're and, the, and then so the KPIs were mm -hmm. about what? Signing up more people on more accounts. And you make more money. And I talked to one person when I my did my book. They said also, he said they had a spiff that he if you open up, he was a commercial. A uh, uh, commercial ma uh, uh, manager of the commercial division in Wells Fargo. He said they had one time. I don't know how big it was a competition, but if you could open up fourteen new accounts, and I don't know what those are, like a savings account, a new yeah. customer account, in fourteen days, you're you got entered into winning fourteen thousand dollars. Hum. I wonder if that would cause any. Anyway, so what happened was this, and this is all documented, is. They started doing just like traditional sales, putting up in the up in the the the, the goals, making them higher yeah. and higher, and threatening to fire people. They 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 would they their their story after story in the court documents that show that people managers would say, "I hope you like working at McDonald's because mm. if you don't hit your goals this month, you guys you guys will be fired." And what happened? Three point five million fraudulent accounts were set up. People didn't get loans. They lost their cards. Some people lost their homes. So that is a case study. On why traditional sales is broken is mm -hmm. that the the KPIs, compensation, and goals are not nothing to do with the customer. They're about making money for the make, hitting goals, making money for you and the customers, and that's the problem. So, Scott, how do you? What's the solution? Is to have no salespeople. I, I, I that's what I'm recommending. Have no salespeople. Say you have advisors. Brag on social media and say our advisors because once you implement this. That right now, for years and years and years, the average salesperson is between 18 to 14 months, we'll say 1.5 years. Yeah. So there's constant turnover. How can you become an expert in 1.5 years in, in an industry? You can't. So we're yeah. going to say, we're going to bring in, 
we're, our, our advisors, we're going to bring them in. We're going to tell them what our, our philosophy is. We're customer-centric here. Here's what we do is, is that you get compensated, not in any one sale. That will cause bad, your full salaries. None of this commit, none of this low uh, OTE on-target earnings. You're going to full salary like everybody else on the team, full salaries. And everybody, I'm talking everybody in the company, even if they don't influence customers, they're going to figure out some way to do it, are going to be bonused offer off of the right type of customers and growing those customers. That's it. Mm -hmm. And keeping them. That's it. Yeah. So how do you do that? As everybody knows, traditional sales at the end of a quarter, especially right now, like in this the um, SaaS industry, people are getting, I know people that are wonderful people. They're getting laid off because they yeah. overhired. It's, times are tough. So yeah. it gets to be the end of a quarter and you're and 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 your butt's on the line and you're thinking, I'm gonna get fired. You're gonna bring in wrong customers. Mm -hmm. Wrong customers are so expensive to companies. I have a guy that has an AI solution. He showed me how he had one company, he showed they had hundreds of thousands of dollars are losing every quarter because of all these wrong activities are running around doing things that weren't efficient and bringing in the wrong customers. So how do you do? is you have, when you bring on a new, an advisor brings on a new customer, customer service, when they onboard them, rate them. How well of a, of a customer are they? How well did they know the customer? Because marketing should have been could have been educating them. Then sales should have been educating them on the way in. And so when they get in, they're going to be rated. Mm. And then you mentioned on your, yesterday on, was it a great, I, I loved your, your episode yesterday, which was, you know, is your, uh, your team, uh, industry is your is your team industry uh, the uh, best kept best secret? secret? Yeah. yeah, and that was that that you know that was great because I have a I don't know if you can see it here, but that's yeah. my that's my strategic customer cycle. And the yeah. first and people ask me they even read my book and I I put retention first. Yeah, it belongs over here, but I put it first. Why to remind people the first thing you do before you get one customer as a company is put a retention plan in place because guess what? At other companies, I, I stole, just like I told you before, mm. I, I, I was, your best customers were on my, my hit list. Yeah. So you better protect them and you better serve them good or they're going to be, they're going to be in trouble. So the whole upserve and cross serve, so many companies talk about, we love our customers, but continually put the pressure on no, no, uh, new logos. So if you have a company culture of focus, I mean, I'm talking, you. this has to come from the top because customer focus, we're putting our customers first and then what follows revenue, mm. not the reverse. And so that, anyway, that, that's, that's my whole philosophy. How many companies have done what I recommend so far? None that I know of, but as you know, uh, as you mentioned also yesterday, um, on or I don't know if yesterday I listened to it yesterday. Uh, you did the recent podcast and stuff. Is that there's less people on market than ever now, and you know three percentage or something like that, depending on your industry and yeah. and, and and what it is, and depending on which study, a lot of people like to point to Gartner. I do too because they have a name and they did a pretty good sample size. But about half buyers don't even want a customer, a, a salesperson involved. The younger they are, the more. And why? Because another lady, I can't remember her name, was on your thing, said that uh, over in uh, – uh, she was over in the, the UK, I think, in yep. that area. She said, oh, you don't want to stand up on a rooftop and say you're a salesperson. Why? Because they have a bad reputation. That's it. That's exactly right. So the, the bottom line is we're to the point now that buyers know that the that salespeople, one, a lot of them don't know what the hell they're talking about, and they're not compensated on their success. And so more and more and more um, – uh, it's going to get tougher and tougher. So companies need to do something different. So yeah, love it. So there's a number of points in there I wanted to wanted to touch on. One of them is I'm just going to take the um, for want of a better term, I'm going to play the devil's advocate. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> no, this is good. No, I love it. I'm going to I'm going to be the devil's advocate. I'm going to say, well, Scott, that's all well and good, but we're under pressure to drive profitability. How am I going to incentivize high performing salespeople? if they're not going to be individually compensated for their own effort, right? Um, if I have, for example, a, a target for the whole team and everybody gets a, a piece of the pie, how do we actually get people who become exceptional, right? Is it an opportunity for people to um, coast, to fly under the radar and get at what we call the clip of the ticket on the way through? Yeah. 
Um, what would you say to those people? Because I, I, to be honest, I actually agree with you because I think sales, the reputation of sales is changing. And I think the great salespeople and the great exceptional leaders are the ones that are putting the customer first and they're making decisions in the benefit of the customer, not in the benefit of their organization. So what would you say to those those people who are sitting, hey, this is not going to work, my friend? Yeah, and I, one thing I didn't I didn't specify there is, which is in my book, I said, I, I am this the the advisor. We're still going to be have individual and team bonuses. Okay. So there's going to you're going to have to have some type of some type of um, like some type of uh, uh, like like you know goals. But the goals are going to be okay. Guess what? Uh, this quarter, um, uh, uh, Darren brought in uh, ten perfect customers. He got his custom, customer service said, right? So you get a slide of bonus off of that. Bring in, so there's going to be, it's just that they, we, you got to tweak them so they're customer centric. Mm. As soon as you make it off of, of putting pressure on somebody, to, the, that one sale is going to help them keep their job. You're going to be in trouble. Yeah. So you just got to, you got to try to, and again, if somebody's just not doing a good job, you, you're going to have to, they're either either coach them up or 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 or, or find somewhere else for them yeah. or, or you know ask them to to move on to somewhere else. So I get that, but I'm just telling you that we're to a point now that the younger generation don't like. Uh, we should have never liked it. The old the old model of of hit the gong. It's all about the money, and then yeah. that's another thing. What was the, the nice lady that had that British Emma. accent? That, Emma yeah. Maslin. She also mentioned that economist. Why wouldn't there be more women that want to be a con? And she said, well, all they talked about was, is yeah, get it through. It's a grind. But once you get there, you make lots and lots of money. She goes, well, a lot of women might not put the priority on making piles of money. That's Maybe it. we want to help the world. Yeah. So I think that's why I think um, overall, I think people say women make better, you know, sales professionals. They're probably true because they care more. Mm. You know, they, they're not going to be the grind. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, my goal is to, 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 you know, crush my goal. No, my goal should be, I, I crush my goal to make my customers successful. Mm. It's a mindset shift, but I'm telling you, you, it can be done. And another thing is too, is I have friends that are, that are older than me and younger than me that are bouncing around at jobs all the time. It is yeah. sad to see. And, and some of them are rock stars mm. and, and, and it, 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 you talk about exceptional leadership if 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 on average the the sales position has a three time higher and here's another argument i mean push back on and i know you're playing that the devil's advocate but the devil's advocate i go okay and in in my book i go all the way to the end and lay out a case like an, an attorney of how screwed up things are broken yep. and then i go guess what you're still not going to change so i'm going to give you one last business case so just imagine as a company if you take um if you have some track record you take what the, the total cost and you got to really look into the total cost to find a, a good sales professional, bring them on, the ramp up time, all that, that cost. I see $100,000 out there a lot, whatever yeah. that is. And then 1.5 years and subtract that. Now, what happens if your whole company, 10, 10, 10 sales professionals, 20, 30, if you move that to 36 months, mm. how much more... And they're going to get better. Believe me, at 1.5 years, to double their time there, they're going to become a lot better what they do. And so that's where, anyway, that that's where I'm saying, and, and there's there's other shifts too. So that's where I'm just saying that, and, and again, the past is, it, it, it's just, it, my look, look right now, looking at the track record of, of people saying, we got to keep doing the same thing. Well, more and more buyers as the years go by, don't want to talk to salespeople at all and want to buy, well, then what you know? Well, it's it's the, the ones same that thing are, and expect, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be the ones that adapt and adopt a new approach because, as we've already talked about, customers are coming more and more educated, and often they'll actually decide who their likely supplier is going to be even before they interact with that supplier because they've done their research and they know you, yep. whether it be through your reputation, LinkedIn references, and so forth. Um, I guess it's it's in some respects it's it's like trying to. Turn the Queen Mary in a in a small yeah. channel because you know, there are so many people that have yeah. been used to doing things the same way. Yeah, and I tell you, here here's in my book I put this too is, 
and that's exactly right. You, you know, you, 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 you can't, you can't tip the ship just like you're talking about. Mm. So what you got to do is you have to do a pilot. So mm. if you have 10, this is what I recommend. So let's say you have uh, uh, 10, depends how many people you have, take one or two and then partner them with marketing people like an ABM approach and partner them or maybe even customer service, make a partnership and then do my model and do it for six months. And I guarantee you, you're you're going to have a better. You're going to have ha happier customers, and, and then and those and those and those people that you have doing that, they're going to brag. They'll be able to brag when they when they talk to them, saying, "Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't make any." You're talking to me, no? I, I, I only money. I only make money, additional money if you succeed. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you're, it's going to be anyway. And so that's I, I get that you can't you can't come in. Some people I think you could, but let's say the people that are scared to. Do do like a, a small sample of just the old school, you know, it's all about you. You're the salesperson. You're doing 100% of your own uh, generation and stuff like that. It's that those type of companies are just failing and failing and failing. So I don't, that's where I think it, you can't make a big shift, but if you do a pilot, it, you're going to, you're going to see a big difference because those so, salespeople will start talking, saying, no, this worked good marketing. And if they part, they do a partnership with customer service and marketing and they say hey let's let how how can we you know attract more customers the right only the right type how can we bring them in how can we up serve and cross serve them yeah. it's gonna it's gonna then it'll be like a a, a, a wildfire of people because the other part as you're talking is if we do that well it means that customers are going to be better qualified so they're going to be a higher quality customer you're actually going to need less potential customers coming into the top end of the funnel and you're going to get a better experience through the the customer buying cycle and they're more likely to stay if you if they know that you're there committed to their success versus and and I think you you mentioned it there's so many old school sales leaders and not even sales leaders executives that say we need to incentivize our sales people we need to drive hard numbers we need to increase um, the profit margins and all that sort of stuff. And we need to increase X, Y, Z. And it's, as you said, it's all driven by what's going to be in it for the salesperson or the sales team. We'll send you, we'll send you to Cancun. We'll get you we'll yeah. your number one salesperson. There you go. We'll, get a, we'll get a Tesla, right? And they think yeah. that's going to motivate. If you go to, if you go to the, if you went, if you win the club, I just, it's weird you say that. Cause I just thought of that. Might've been listening to your podcast is that someone said, you know, I'm, I'm, I get to go to club or something like that. I'm gonna go, Hey, guess what? Wouldn't it be nice if you said that, you had the highest perfect fit customers and that sent you to the club. Mm. I'd be for that. Absolutely. Right? It has to be customer sick or I had the most growth within my existing customers. I yeah. mean, if you, again, right now, um, which is, I, I'm worried to put a warning in the, my book and, and I put that right now in the last two years, the biggest title change on LinkedIn has been revenue added or a piece of revenue added. Chief Revenue Officer, RevOps, uh, they even have um, Revenue uh, 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 revenue Marketers. Yeah, Revenue Marketers. Oh, you, you name it. They have all these different new title stuff. And they are so razor-focused on revenue right now. I You're going to turn the whole company into what buyers and customers hate? Yeah. Commission breath, revenue breath, salespeople. Yeah. And it's going to happen. And and what – And uh, um, Sam Jacobs, who's um, Pavilion – he runs a community like 10,000 um, startup, you know, startup people in there. And they all, you know, community of startups and stuff. He yeah. posted here in the last year. He said, right now, revenue executives. So they have revenue of the title. He doesn't, he doesn't know me, right? He posted this. Now their tenure has dropped to 17 months. He goes, how can that be? They're, I can't remember the exact title. They're going to have 14 jobs in 20 years. He goes, that's not sustainable. And I'm like, welcome to sales. <laughs> so yeah it's, it's i think being customer centric it's the time it's right now is the time younger generation wants it your buyers want it your customers want it who doesn't want it old stuffy out of date sales executives. so let's let's put the uh let's let's look in the crystal ball then yeah. scott <laughs> let's say is there is there something coming is there going to be a a seismic shift that is going to wake people up. Is it going to be they're going to have their customers leave in droves, or is there something that's going to happen? Is it is it the advent of AI, for example, that's going to have some sort of impact that 
that forces organizations and forces executives to finally focus legitimately on the customer, not just apply lip service to the fact that they're customer focused. What's what's your prediction? You know, I I I don't I don't know. I'm saying it, it's the times right for someone to yeah. do it. I just don't see anybody doing it. I I think that with AI and stuff like that, I just think more and more it's going to be easier for 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 buyers to to not talk to salespeople. And and the whole time companies won't change, buyers are changing more yeah. and more and more. And and buyers are figuring out with new tools how to buy without having to engage or to engage with them at the last minute. Yeah. Because why? Because the the company they're working at forces them to talk to somebody. I mean, that's the only reason they're doing it. But guess what? If somebody else is making it a more pleasurable thing and maybe totally gets rid of a salesperson mm. and says, Hey, you can, you can, you don't have to be, you know, talk to a salesperson. We can help you. Uh, you know, there's a lot of this uh, product led growth and all those different things and stuff like that. Uh, but the bottom line is the fact that again, it's the old, the old school is still here. And it, it we talk about a competitive advantage. We talked mm. at the beginning, like for us, people like us, Right now is the perfect competitive advantage because the and and I'll I'll shift here just real quick is because I want to get this in is yeah. you 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 talked about um um like the old school okay so the old school is uh you know salespeople have to do their own lead generation because it keeps them yeah you know, keeps them hungry and blah 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 well I I here's here's my case against that is I would say do your buyers and customers, do they want experts at closing or experts at their offerings and how they help the customers? How do they become, so they're going to be, right, or experts at prospecting. Hmm. So no, what you need to do is, and you mentioned your podcast, and that can just take right off that, is more and more, that they, um, they call it nearbound now, that I used, to, I'm big time into referral partners. I have, I run a franchise, which we have, um, just a local, this is a local thing. Yeah. I, I have three groups, local owners. We get together and we help each other grow our businesses, but a lot of it's through referrals. And, mm -hmm. and I tell you that the, if somebody, if I were in some, if we, somebody in our group refers it to it, I mean, we have like a 90% conversion rate. Nice. Right? Because it, nice. It, it, why? Because a trusted, here's the deal is, is I have a saying, the old school is I'm going to send my salespeople out knocking on LinkedIn, knocking on a hundred DMs doors, looking for a problem. Mm. Great referral prob, great referral partners send customers with problems you can solve to you. So more than ever, we need to have. Yes, I'm, I'm not saying you, uh, um, um, especially in the near term, sales professionals are still going to have to do some outbound. But I would, I would argue that you, sh you should. They're, they would get better at outbound if they spent more time talking to customers that are marketing sometimes doesn't send you the best customers. They're not they're I mean, they they need to work on that. But good referral partners, you get a good referral partner, they're they're like 90% of the way there sometimes. They're like, yeah. well, who do we need to they said, hey, you really need to use these people. Oh, okay. Mm. Who do I call? And, yeah. and a lot of times they skip you skip steps. They skip steps, and that's going back to your three percent, you know, or in the market. Now you have you have a whole bunch of good referral partners out there. They're listening mm. for people that are in market to send them to you. Yeah, that's why. So you got to come. Out. Marketing needs to do their job better. Refer now we need to get referral partners. Your existing customers work them on getting referral programs, and then that's kind of the all bound where now you're having all these different sources coming to your sales professionals yeah. rather than them just pounding on a bunch of doors. Yeah. And then what are they doing? They're spending more time talking to customers that are a better fit rather than knocking on a bunch of doors trying to find the fit. So and through that process, as you as you were talking, I'm thinking, well, if if um if customers are coming to us and if they're doing all their research and they can actually purchase a product or and there'll be some levels of complexity where you just have to have some involvement of experts. But if they can essentially buy a product or buy a service or a solution without having to deal with a salesperson, then from the company point of view who's providing that service, there should be alarm bells to say, we probably don't need 
a lot of salespeople, but what is it that we're doing as an organization that is attracting these customers and how we now put in, as you say, the advisors who can lead the customer through their purchasing journey, yeah. not do all the prospecting to try and increase the level of profitability and the number of sales that are coming in for the provider organization. That, so That's why I see down the way, even with the AI, and then here's a quick AI hack is um, ask, at, I'm big time into referral partners. So I did this at my a speaking gig I did back in August. I knew some of my customers, my referral groups are in the room. And so I asked chat, um, hey, I'm the owner of a successful um, home, residential, and commercial um, inspection company. What are great referral partners for me and why? Mm -hmm. And I asked print off 50, and they popped off 50. And so I asked each one of them, one, two, three. Most of them knew the first three or four. But then I looked down the list, and I found a couple. They went, I never thought of that before. So I told them it wouldn't be good to find two on that list and you're not, and reach out to them and it's you're not a sales call it's like hey how yeah. can we partner together right let's be refer, let's be partners and again the the best referral partners if you look down the list usually have your same customers mm. they just don't compete against you yeah so they respect them they already know them they know you they send them. anyway so there's another little little hack with with chat gpt the free version just ask it who are great referral partners uh and then your, your goal isn't not all of them are going to be good refer, par, referral partners that exercise is to look down that list and then ask them what are great cross um uh cross marketing partners they're pretty pretty close ask bard it's free the same yeah. thing and your goal as a company or as a sales professional if your company doesn't help you you got to do a lot of your own stuff then go down that list and you're just looking for a, a couple that you didn't think about before and reach out to them so this year, if you add two or three great referral partners, that could be the difference between meet, reaching your goals and not. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely love it. Hey, I love this conversation. I'm, I'm conscious of, of time. Um, okay. Love to ask the final question, Scott, and that is for, for people listening to this, sales leaders um, who intuitively and I guess intellectually get what we're talking about here, um, what, is, what is something to leave them with that – could be just a, a slither to help them move in the right direction to try to change or start the process of change within their organization. Is there something that they can do that might be just a small step towards a bigger, a bigger change? I think if it, depending on where they're at in the company, just talk about how are we going to have a culture of customer centricity? Really? That's what it is. And then talking about, Let's stop talking about closing customers. You close in a house or converting. So I think language is one of the first steps. And then from there, you're going to have to change the KPIs. Yeah. To, to be more the right type of customers, more giving, giving people credit for bringing the right type of customers, bringing on expansion. So that's, that's the first kind of steps would think of customer centricity as a culture in the company. Hey, how do we do that? At language is the first thing, and then the yeah. next thing is going to be KPIs and compensation. Love it. And it, what what steps you do? The first would first one would be easy. Start talking differently within your company, and then from there you're going to start looking at the compensation. How can you tweak it? Maybe not tip the ship, but tweak it so that you're not so razor focused on you know bringing the wrong customers in at the end of the quarter. Love it. And if the company is not going to back you, my my advice would be it will take courage, but it's the right thing to do because your future self and your future team, and I guess your future customers will thank you for it. Um, because if it's not you, then who's going to do it? Your company probably yeah. won't. So yeah, then. you're you're right. It's someone has to do it. And it, the thing is, I interviewed hundreds of people for my my books. I love talking to them. And I tell you, there's so many of them that are on the edge of doing something. And so I yeah. didn't have it quite articulated. So that's where it is now: is language first within the company and then try to get your leadership. If there's other leadership is pushing back on you and, and talk, Hey, let's, let's get together yep. here. Cause it's a team. Yeah. Start talking about team culture team. And then the next step would be, which would be tougher. Let's start tweaking the compensation so that, and goals so that it's more customer focused and then start, oh. start bragging about it on LinkedIn. Oh, absolutely. And then that potentially goes viral. Yeah. No, I, I tell you, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, if you, if, if you do it right, it, it, it could, you get a company. So. Absolutely. Excellent. And again, hey. you want to be an average leader or an exceptional leader? Oh, mate, like this. You want to be an exceptional leader, baby. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. No, it is. It is. If you're customer-centric, you're exceptional. If you're the other, the old school, 
you're, 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 you know, executive at best. Absolutely. And look, there's been a theme through this conversation. And I think if you're a sales leader listening to this, you know that the average tenure of a salesperson is not long, right? So one of the one of the key things I think we, as in you and I and others like Graham, have a, have an opportunity to do is to have an impact on the culture of sales and sales leadership, so that the tenure goes from that seventeen months out to thirty six. Yeah. Not only is the company that you're dealing with in terms of you're working for going to benefit from that, but your customers are going to benefit from that, yeah. and you individually are going to have a lot more satisfaction and fulfillment through that process. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I always say. It, it, it's a, if you're an exceptional leader, you you get and I'll say it, you give a shit about your team members and for for you to have a position your company has three times the, the the turnover rate of any other position that that's a no matter what you say oh sales is different no it's not yeah if you want if you want someone there that's an expert they got to be there longer than a year and a half hundred percent you want them there 100%. for six years so totally. Totally. Hey, Scott, absolutely love this conversation. Awesome. Thank you so much for bringing so much value. I love it. I appreciate it. As you can tell, I'm passionate about it. I really am <laughs> passionate about leadership and getting them to think differently. And then about ultimately, it's 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 helping sales professionals because they have families, have a stable career, yeah. and then focus on the customers, folks, internal and external. Absolutely. Absolutely love it. So for people wanting to know a little bit more about yourself, where's the best place to connect with you and where can I most importantly get hold of your book, Broken? Yeah, the the book Amazon. It's Kindle okay. and a Kindle and um and paperback. And then make sure to mention that you you heard me on um, Exceptional Sales Leaders podcast because I get a ton of DMs and stuff. And then I'll make it real easy to say, hey, connect. You know, just connect with me. That that'll make it easier for me to kind of wade through it. But LinkedIn's the best. I without my glasses right here. I, I wear, I have like, this is my brand. I wear this shirt, all the, I have like five of these shirts. I okay. wear five shirts. That, so that's, look on LinkedIn. I'm on this with just, uh, that's me on LinkedIn. Scott Marker. There it is. Yeah. And if you In like, fact, and I'm going to, I'm going yeah, to commit right too. Right yeah. Yeah. I'm going to commit too that follow me on LinkedIn too. And I mean, the book, I'm not pushing the book, you know, right? is the key, key is follow my LinkedIn. I'm given just like that tip on a chat GPT. I just gave that tip. I'm, I'm my goal. I'm going to start committing to videotaping actionable sales tips like the 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 analogy of the 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 three you know the three you know three the three by three and yeah. all that type of stuff i'm gonna start trying to give more actionable stuff I, I talked about the problem for years to promote the book now i'm gonna start giving like okay we know there's a problem scott how can you help me out as a sales professional if my company is crazy i still need to make my numbers i'm gonna give some of that type of advice and then oh. also advice on and companies that are trying to change brilliant brilliant so guys, videos. That's what that. videos is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do videos rather than writing on it. I'm starting. I've posted just a couple of videos, like yep. like, like um uh, um partners talked about the you know how do you find new referral partners uh, and that stuff. And so I'm starting to do videos on that stuff because I'm finding I just get a lot more engagement. A lot of people DMing me saying, "Hey, that was awesome. I appreciate that." Versus, I so I'm committed to all. I'm going all in on videos in 2024. Love it, love it. Video is uh, it's fantastic. A short form video in particular. So and, um, and AI, yeah. I got two AI tools. I just dump in a 20 minute podcast or whatever it is. It chops yep. it up for me. And there's always a couple of good clips and it, there's no reason no one can do it any, anymore. Mm. So Opus clip vid, video. Those are two great ones. There's probably other ones. They're like 19 bucks a month. Yeah. You just, it, yeah. And everybody should be doing it. Cause I mean, it's, it's the future. It is. I mean, I, I okay. If there's a long video on LinkedIn, like, excuse me. If there's a long article on LinkedIn, and then someone has like a, a video, I always clip on the video. I just don't want to read, a, a, you know, like a, <laughs> so a, a, a thousand word, you know. And I, I, I re, anyway, yeah. So I, I'd rather click on it, you know, and just listen to it. So love it, love it. Hey, Scott, um, absolutely pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, uh, I'll put the. It was an, it was an honor, really. Well, really, I really appreciate it. I, I respect you a lot. I think I, I, I just, you really have a lot of my core principles, which I, I appreciate because they're 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 not they're they're not common. <laughs> but I want to make them are, more common. We are on a mission, my friend, to make them yep. more common. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, absolute pleasure, mate. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, appreciate you. All the best. You too. Thanks.
Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it, but also if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.